Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. All right, so we're moving into part two of the series. We have Brendan Rogers from WAG on the episode. The first one was Zero to 100, how he built WAG uh, and co-founded it and all the different uh, learnings, lessons, uh, implications of building that business. You know, what's next up for Brendan? But at the same time, we wanted to understand what's happening today, uh, whether it's specifically in the two industries of pet uh, on demand, uh, which WAG has successfully uh, built its business upon that type of model. Uh, in addition to what he is seeing in the venture landscape. So with that, make sure to go check out Zero to 100 episode. But now we are going to flip to the current environment as it stands today. So with that, let's get on with Brendan and the episode. All right. This is part two of a two-part series with Brendan Rogers, co-founder of WAG, the publicly traded on-demand pet walking service. More than that today. Uh, he's also the co-founder of 2AM VC, a seed stage fund focused on next generation startups in India. If you want to learn more about how he built WAG, you know, we had a discussion around that in part one. Uh, so go check that out. But for now, we want to shift to the present. Uh, you are now the founder, co-founder of a VC. So let's touch on kind of three areas. You know, the pet world, what you see there, the on-demand world. Uh, we had the Uber uh, uh, Uberization of everything um, and what you're seeing beyond kind of those two categories and put on your VC hat. I know you're all the way out in uh, India. I mean, not right now, you're in Sarasota, but uh, you are, uh, from an investment perspective, looking out that way. So let's start kind of with the pet world. What are you seeing uh, in the pet world? Um, what are the trends there? Obviously, COVID accelerated uh, the pet industry in general in terms of the amount of pet parents. Um, so what are you seeing in the pet world and, and what's interesting there? Yeah, um, and thank you again for having me on for the, the second part. Um, yeah, so in terms of like the, the pet world that I'm seeing in the U.S., uh, trends in the U.S., so you touched on it, you know, I think between 12 to 13% of pet adoption occurred during and after COVID kind of combined, which has just astronomically accelerated the, the pet space in general in the U.S. So if you see companies like Chewy and, and stuff, um, you know, even like the, the other pet food brands are just, you know, growing astronomically. Um, I think now with this huge surge of, of pet parents, I'm seeing a lot of trends around uh, kind of just more ease of um, how to, how to grow a pet slash like how to, um, how to like own a pet in a way. And I think that, um, by but I, what I mean by that is like training, um, the veterinarian side, I think like the, the big trends are around training and health and health and wellness around pets. I think that with companies like WAG and I think companies like Chewy, um, the food and the service piece has, um, really been kind of mastered. And now WAG is actually in the health space as well. Um, but I think that there's still a lot to do in the veterinarian space. I think there's a lot of technology that um, can really automate a lot of things within vets. I think that vets in general are discovery of vets is not um, really uh, frictionless. I think that there's a lack of vets. Um, and I think that just in general, what I'm seeing is like health and wellness in pets in the US is is something that a lot of um, consumers are spending their money on and want to see more of. Um, so that's one trend. I think globally, um, I would say the U S is probably the leader in terms of like pet, 
um, innovation, but I think there's a lot of countries that are big, like Canada, the UK, um, other parts of, of Europe that have high lifetime value of pet parents. They're a little bit behind the US, but I think trends are, are picking up in the service side and food side in those businesses. Uh, and then lastly, I'll touch on is, um, you know, uh, kibble and these, these uh, food companies that just have a lot of like fillers and a lot of, um, you know, chemicals and stuff. I think like kind of long-term there's been studies publicly shown that like it could potentially cause health risks. Mm. So now you're seeing this huge movement of like fresh dog food being delivered to your house and stuff like that. Um, I think companies that are in that space, I think are just are growing very, very fast. And since there's this whole new wave of pet parents and the millennials, even Gen Zers, millennials, et cetera, um, that are just more health conscious in general, um, I think that, that it, that's bleeding into um, their pet as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you see Fresh Pet and some others that are putting, you know, the actual uh, uh, refrigerators and taking up space that way and, and kind of leading the charge in terms of uh, fret, fresh food, I guess, for pets. And kind of the humanization, I guess, of, uh, of pets is clearly a trend um, that we're seeing as well. Um, you know, on demand. So, so, so obviously WAG is known for on demand. Um, in a sense, that's kind of like the origin story there. Um, we saw a huge surge in on-demand products, you know, over the years, um, from walking your dog to car sharing to, you know, getting your hair braided, I think is one, um, where do you think we are in terms of the curve of, of kind of like, um, again, Uberizing almost anything and everything, uh, out there? Yeah, I think the, the, the trend is, is pretty much over with. I think that a lot of the, at least daily necessities are covered right now from like an on-demand perspective, you know, food, transportation, the big markets, um, the big markets. And then you have these like micro markets as well. Um, so I think we're pretty much past that. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on like the, the Uber Lyft model? I know um, maybe not to like the, the T right in terms of that, but it's like, you know, some of these uh, on-demand models, the unit economics don't necessarily, you know, there was, um, you get to some sort of scale uh, and the economics would work out. Um but you take, you know, these, these, uh, uh, cars and, and, uh, those sharing their rides. Right. Um, and the economics, you know, from a, uh, just a pure economic standpoint, they're at large scale, right? We're talking about huge, uh, kind of volumes coming through these platforms in terms of dollars, yet they're still struggling to kind of leverage, whether it's the fixed costs, all the bets they've taken on over the years. Um, any thoughts around that? Maybe again, it's not right up your alley because you're on the pet side in the world, uh, today. Um, so, uh, any thoughts on kind of yeah. economics? Um, yeah. And I'm actually like invested in a couple like, like GoPuff competitors in other parts of the world as Got well, it. too. Um, I think that like these businesses, um, so first of all, on the supply side, like their driver CACs and delivery CAC for like the DoorDash of the world are like you know, it's all public or like very, very high to acquire yeah. individuals. Um, and I think payouts and their take rates are just not what they used to be. So some of the drivers really aren't like excited about driving for 12 hours on Uber anymore because of the take rate. Um, but I think that um, companies that will prevail are companies that can also have other streams of revenue to get the unique economics like in a more um, sensible place or increase lifetime value, or at least have services that can create a bigger TAM where they can then cross promote within the, the driving platform. So I think like you see in, at least in Lyft and Uber today, like I believe the reason why Uber is still kind of largely enough is because of the eats business. Um, the eats business has 
you know, been growing. And yes, DoorDash is taking market share away exponentially. I still think Uber Eats is still something that has been able to help cater the offset of the driving business. So I think long term is if, um, you know, these other channels of revenue can pan out. I think the unit economics will look a lot better. Companies like Lyft, all they do is just driving. And I think you've seen that in the public markets on how um, driver demand and also just like, I think maybe ride demand has gone down. I'm not sure they've closed up markets and stuff. So I think that they, these companies need to have other streams of, of revenue. Um, yeah, that, that, that I would say that's like my take on, on the market. I think that they're, they're not going anywhere because I think just like the, the pain point that they've solved for humans is massive. I think it's now so like, you know, figuring out like, how can we make these, these businesses profitable and, you know, how can we increase revenue by launching other services and create moats around our competitors and stuff like that? Um, yeah, you've yeah. seen that. Yeah, you've seen that with uh, kind of going back to what you're saying in terms of uh, adding new areas, which is like alcohol. You know, alcohol is a high uh, price item, low weight, low space in a, in a car. Um, and that's ultimately like, uh, at least how we think some of these players win, where maybe you go and you start uh, uh, kind of uh, DoorDash has like DoorDash Drive, right, where they're going and picking up you know, a, um, an iPhone and delivering it to your house this is a five, $700 item that takes up this amount of fraction of a space in a car. Uh, mm-hmm. and you're trying to maximize kind of the productivity of each drive. Um, and again, yeah, that's, I think you're, you're trying to attach to all these markets, whether it's alcohol, electronics, things like that. Um, which is interesting. I know DoorDash just partnered with Facebook on Facebook marketplace. So now that if you're selling an item on Facebook marketplace, historically, there was no kind of shipping capabilities in between that. So DoorDash plugs himself as kind of the shipping on demand of choice. And, and it's kind of like this natural marketplace sitting in between a marketplace. Um, fascinating to say the least. Uh, that wouldn't have happened like 10, 15 years ago. Let's move on kind of to um, what you do today, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, 2 a.m. VC, number one, just tell us what it is, what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and then interesting things you're seeing. Yeah, so, um, you know, after... Uh, after WAG, um, I left in late 2019, um, I started angel investing, started building my, my personal brand, just really started to network, like, like you know, and meet as many people as humanly possible, VCs, entrepreneurs, whatever. Um, I would be in, literally, I would go to Santa Monica every single day and just meet people at like a coffee shop and just meet as many people as possible. And uh, I met an individual um, named Herschel Mehta, and he was running his family office at the time. It's a great name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He, um, uh, at the time probably invested in about 50 companies, um, primarily in the U S, um, has was invested in some great companies in the U S and then he did, had a little bit of exposure to India. Um, but really just got along, uh, with him and, you know, just really loved his background and the value he provi- provides founders. Um, he was telling me about his cousin that lived in India. That was a successful exited entrepreneur, uh, turned kind of super angel and invested in some of the biggest unicorns today in India. Um, but more so recently started an accelerator, a pre-seed accelerator. So sort of like a, a YC of India, um, mm. even like earlier. So I was like really intrigued by that. And I've always been interested in emerging markets. You know, I'm a huge fan of Tiger Global. I'm a huge fan of Edition. I'm a huge fan of Kotu. I'm a huge fan of Dragoneer. You know, these massive funds, huge fan of SoftBank. Um, they just kept deploying in these emerging markets. So I was like always intrigued by that. And you know, I got a call, I got an email uh, from Herschel saying, hey, would you like to come to my cousin's first demo day in Mumbai? And I thought nothing of it, meaning like, 
something inside of me was like, you should go. And I'm always the first person where it's like, you know, if there's an opportunity, I'm there, like no matter where in the world. Um, and uh, went to India, saw the demo day, really saw like what uh, Herschel's cousin Sanjay was building and the relationships he's built. Um, and that got me thinking like, you know, this is a really interesting market. It's an emerging market. There's Google, Facebook, Amazon are deploying billions of dollars into the country. You're having offices uh, like from Coinbase opening and all these tech companies are being launched in India, but selling into the U.S., getting publicly listed. Like what's going on here? Um, started doing more research on the market, realized that half the population is under the age of 27 and just the sheer technical talent um, coming from India, building in India or building for the world. It was just something that I've never experienced before. If you look at, you know, the CEO of Microsoft, Twitter, Google, they're all like from India. Um, it's nuts. Yeah. Um, so uh, realized that like there's something that's that's happening here and I need to be a part of it. Um, so kind of long story short, um, you know, I thought that I could be super different by being a white bald guy from Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah that like I would stick out like a sore thumb and people would be like, why is this guy investing here? Um, you're you the know. Jeff Bezos of India. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the Indian founders, um, a lot of the Indian funds rather are not founder led and precede hmm. seed. There really isn't any founder led funds. And I was like, there's a huge opportunity to be like diversity on the cap table. So, um, uh, everybody was just very curious, like, why is this guy investing here? And then, uh, decided to, I need local knowledge and local expertise. So decided to, to partner with Herschel. Um, and you know, he's had a lot of success, uh, as an angel in India as well, and decided to launch a small vehicle, uh, in about a year ago. And we're a pre-seed seed fund, India only. Um, and we're in about 35 companies and, uh, yeah, the portfolio will be about 50, 50 companies. What's the, uh, generally sector is agnostic, neutral, uh, focus. I'm, I'm assuming it has a lot to do with your expertise uh, and, and your partners, but yeah. Um, so we're agnostic. I actually like am not, I don't like putting myself in a box. Um, sure. I just want to back rate founders first and foremost, you know, I, at this stage at pre-seed seed, uh, as I'm sure you're aware of, like there's very few data points to go off of. It's really about like how big the TAM is and like, what does a team look like? Like, are these the people that can get something off the ground? Um, so that's how I look at it. So we're, we invest in all industries. Um, you know, we're obviously, I would say we skew more towards what we know, which is consumer marketplaces, fintech, B2B, um, sure. happy to look at anything. I, again, I, somebody, somebody told me once when I first started angel investing, um, the best deal flow always comes from founders and I've, have quadrupled down on meeting as many founders as humanly possible because of that reason. Um, and it's panned out really well. So um, that's that, those are the, the, the kind of like the sectors that we kind of cater towards. Uh, we brought on recently um, Herschel's nephew, which is um, he's like very, very technical, but he's obsessed with web three. Um, and he lives in Bangalore, which is like the Palo Alto of, of uh, India. And um, I'm just, so impressed with him as an investor, you know, previously and just cool. how he's consistently uh, technically sound in Web3. Um, so that's not an area that me personally have has the most kind of experience or expertise in, but we we love Web3 as well. And 
Um, not like super allocated in it, but definitely have invested in some companies that are doing really well right now. And, uh, you know, expect to invest in a few more and, um, and whatnot. So cool. Yeah, no, a couple more minutes here, but the, uh, the, um, your areas of, um, interest, like what, uh, what are you seeing? I know it's India. Um, so it could be either, you know, two steps ahead of the U S or even, uh, uh, two steps behind the U S, uh, in terms of where they are in certain areas, like just broadly speaking, uh, what are a couple of trends that, um, you know, you guys are targeting? Yeah. I mean, like, I think that, um, so I'll, the, I'll answer from like an Indian perspective is just like, or yeah. even like emerging market perspective is like, I believe the U S is always like a step ahead of probably all the countries in the world. Um, I mean, I think China's kind of on their own Island, but, um, the services that have worked in the U S the business models that have worked in the U S some of them have catered and bleeded into these other countries where they've also has worked as well. So, um, India is like a, a little bit behind the U S from that perspective, but you know, um, we're in, investors in a company called carbon card, which is like the Brex of India, which has done mm-hmm. astronomically well. Um, so like, you know, you saw a model work in the U S like Brex and now that model went to India and it's done exceptionally well. So, um, we're seeing like kind of existing business models that have done well in the U S do well in India. Um, I think like in India specifically, um, so there's this massive Gen Z population, uh, data is extremely cheap. More people are getting online at a rapid rate daily. And I think that now these Gen Zers have access to different platforms like Instagram and Snapchat and Coinbase, et cetera, that now they have the ability to, and they see people, you know, wearing squid game t-shirts. So they want a squid game t-shirt. They see people investing in crypto and now they, they have the ability to invest in crypto with only a few rupees. Um, things of that nature, I think has really made this generation in India, the Gen Z population, which is the largest population in the world, um, really grow exponentially from a digital perspective. Um, and then lastly, I think in India as well, is that there's a lot of, there's a sense it's a step behind the U S there's a lot of, um, things that are not digitized yet, meaning um, there's still a lot of like pen to paper type things. So for an example, you know, we invested in a company that digitizes pharmacies and allows pharmacy delivery. Um, You know, that before, you know, historically uh, pharmacy owners, and there isn't like a, there isn't like big companies like CVS or Walgreens. It's more so um, this mom and pops that own pharmacies. Like now this company digitizes all of them. Um, so things of that nature, which is just super, super interesting. Uh, and then lastly in the U S, um, I think that like the trends I'm seeing in the U S is, um, more so around, like, um, I'm seeing more, like just more kind of out there ideas that are solving like massive problems. I'm not seeing specific trends, but I'm seeing things like, you know, electric, you know, companies that like electric airline companies or electric boat engine companies, um, things that are like really outlier things where if they actually work, they're going to be massive. Um, those are some of the, the companies that I'm, I'm kind of seeing from that lens. But, you know, I spend my days um, investing primarily in India. Uh, I recently, like I mentioned, I did a deal um, that I'm very, very excited about uh, personally uh, in a company called Crave Mart, which is in Pakistan. Um it's uh, the gold puff of Pakistan and they're absolutely mm-hmm. killing it. Um, you know, Pakistan is like only a few cities that are very, very densely populated with hundreds of millions of people on the internet. And now you can get food within 
10 minutes. So um, that company is something that I did personally. Founders phenomenal. And uh, yeah, actively looking at deals globally. But I would say that my lens has been specifically India because, uh, you know, I have a I have a fund now and um, that's what I'm excited about. Um, but, you know, when there's some when there's U.S. deals or deals kind of in other markets, uh, always take a look and, and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, no, it sounds like, again, you're focused on big end markets. Again, on the other uh, part one of this, we talked about WAG. And the, the origin story there was to, uh, you know, attack big markets, whether it was uh, dating or, you know, the pet parent market, which uh, in theory on demand you guys created, you know, we'll end there again, Brendan, uh, he's the co-founder of WAG and 2AMVC. Uh, I'll put in the, in the notes where, how you can reach him on LinkedIn. That's his preferred method. But at the end of the day, we're going to end there. Uh, Brendan, thanks for coming on and we will chat soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.